Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. Boy, when a pastor asked me to fill in, the first question I asked was, could I still stay in the book of Revelation? I love the book of Revelation. It's very exciting. And uh, as you're turning to Revelation chapter 9, if you remember, pastor started this, uh, I guess, mini-series out of chapter 9 to answer some common questions that so many ask today and are thinking. Uh, Where is God in all of the chaos and confusion and uh, today and and God, uh, do you hear our prayers? And if you do, then why does it sometimes seem like there's a delay in these prayers? And uh, why or how could you allow such evil to consist in the world today? And so he, uh, as a quick review last week and the week before, uh, had mentioned that we can take comfort in knowing, in spite of all the confusion today, God is in control. And yes, Satan is evil, but God is sovereign. And although it might be discouraging, I think when we approach prophecy, uh, it's not only given to tell us what the future holds, but who holds the future. And as we see the evil, we must realize and remember that God talks about all these things that we see even coming to pass today. We see the handwriting on the wall. We see a one-world government, a one-world currency. We see idolatry off the chart today. And and God said, I told you, this is all going to happen. Therefore, I'd like you to get excited and exercised. Pastor mentioned this last week. We ought to be excited seeing what's happening today, knowing that the Lord is soon to return. And number two, we ought to get exercised over these things and know that time is of the essence and and time is short, and the clock is ticking, and people need to be saved, and there's much work to do. Amen? And so God has a plan, and it's all going according to His divine time schedule. So in Revelation chapter 9, I want to, guess what I want to do is I don't, I don't want to repeat a lot of what Pastor has mentioned, but I want to sort of glean the corner of this chapter before he continues in the next chapter. And I want to draw your attention to Revelation chapter 9, verse 20 and 21. It says, And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk, neither repented they of their murders nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Now, when I read through Revelation chapter 9, there's basically two things that that go through my mind. Number one, this is horrific. This is horrific. Uh, What we have here is, I believe, the, the second part of what we would call Daniel's 70th week. In the book of Daniel chapter 9, it's often called the backbone of prophecy. The angel Gabriel came to Daniel and he gave him revelation. And he said, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people, Israel. 
And each week we know represents a seven-year time period. And he goes on and he explains what the future holds. And way back then, history was written in advance. And we know that 69 of these weeks, 483 years, have already come to pass. Up until the point in the book of Daniel, it says when the Messiah would be cut off. And we know that he was cut off. He was crucified. He was rejected by the nation of Israel. And that prophetic time uh, clock stopped. And now we are waiting for Daniel's 70th week to take place. A seven-year period that we call the, the tribulation time period. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus broke it up into two uh, parts. The first part, he, he labeled it as the beginning of sorrows. And after three and a half years in the middle of this week, this tribulation time period, the Antichrist is going to commit an abominable act in the temple, often referred to in the scripture as the abomination of desolation. He's going to declare that he's God and the whole world should worship him and his image and take his mark. And without that mark and without that worship, you're going to be killed. And then the last three and a half years, the great tribulation, where I believe as far as my studies go and some others that as God is plaguing the earth and pouring out his wrath on this earth, these plagues in the form of of, of, of seals and trumpets and vials and the ministry of the Antichrist, they compound together. And it is literally going to be hell on earth. We don't have time to go into it today, but I am thoroughly convinced that the, the body of Christ will not be here during the time of Jacob's trouble. It's a time of Israel's trouble. And this is a, a horrific time that God's going to shake up the world and, and, uh, and, and, and get the nation of Israel's attention and to, to wake them up as he judges this earth. It's going to be a horrific time. But not only that, the second thing that goes through my mind is, is verse 20 and 21. I am amazed. By the way, the dam of God's mercy will break and judgment will fall. If you're wondering, God, where are you in the midst of all this evil in the world? Oh, just, just hang in there. You'll find out where he is. But thank God he is a patient God waiting for people to get saved and born into the kingdom of God. But it is only a matter of time before he judges this earth. And you will see how upset and angry he is at sin and evil. But my thought goes towards the rest of the men in this chapter. I am, I am amazed at the rest of the men in this chapter. Now, I, I read books, but when I read this book, this book reads me. And it speaks to me. And, and the other day when I, I read this verse, when pastor was preaching on this, I got under heavy conviction when I, when I saw the description of the rest of these men and the dedication that they had, dead men staying dedicated to dead gods. And God spoke to me as, as I was reading his word. And he said, Matt, where is your dedication towards me? And, and, and what if the church, what if Monclova Road Baptist Church, what if I was as dedicated to God as these men were to their false gods? And I tell you what, church, I got under conviction. The title of this message is, How Dedicated Are You 
You see, dedication is, is a problem today with God's people. All through the scriptures, we see that God is pleased with dedication. Everything from dedicating the, the wall around Jerusalem and the temple and the temple instruments and the people of God and the prayers of God, the house of God, uh, individual families of God. God is pleased when we are dedicated to Him. Dedication often demonstrates who we are loyal to, who is our authority, who we're committed to. And it's a great way to demonstrate our love towards God, how dedicated we are. I believe that complete dedication is the biblical requirement, according to God. You know this verse, I'll read it to you. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And so when it comes to your dedication toward God, he's not looking for some of it. He's not looking for most of it. He's not looking for us to compare our dedication to the next guy. He's looking for complete 100% dedication to God. Notice those words, all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, all thy strength. And I want to remind you, church, our dedication ought to be motivated by love, loving God, a passionate love for God. And if we're not wrapped up in, in God's love for us and motivated by our love for him to serve him, we're going to get messed up. We're going to get off, off focus. I'm reminded of a woman that was ministering to a leper. The man walked by and looked at her in disgust and looked at this leper and what she was doing. And he said, I wouldn't do that for a million dollars. She looked back at him and said, neither would I. I'm doing it because I love him. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know what motivated God to save us? Love. You know what ought to motivate us to, to stay dedicated to him and to serve him? Love. If our love is not motivating us, we're going to become like the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they lacked something. They lacked love. We know this because when they were all caught up in their program and their traditions and their preferences, and Jesus and the boys came by and, and uh, gave no interest to that and and didn't follow their ways, they were very irritated. They wanted to kill Jesus. They wanted to kill the disciples. And anyone else that didn't, didn't follow their program, they were upset because the program was broken. They weren't upset because there were broken people that needed help and love. And so if love is not motivating you to dedicate yourself to the Lord, you're going to get off track. And there are all kinds of things that deter us from our dedication, all kinds of distractions to lure us away. Our mind can get filled with things and our priorities will, 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 are not in, in focus and we don't have the right priorities and, and it just seems like all of a sudden our dedication falls along the way side. So with these men in verse 20 and 21, the rest of the men, the Bible says that they repented not 
of their works, of their hands, that they should worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass, and neither do they repent of their murders and sorceries and fornication and thefts. Do you know what repentance is? Repentance is a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of spirit, a change of direction. And they didn't repent. They didn't repent of their faith and their false gods and the, the works of their hands. They didn't, their, their dedication was still there in the midst of Daniel's 70th week. And I read this and I'm thinking to myself, wow, yes, their, their hearts were hardened and they were evil and they were wicked men. Yes, they were deceived by the Antichrist, but they were dedicated. Yes, they were devilish, but they were determined. Yes, they were doomed and on their way to hell, but not deterred. And I hate to say this, but sometimes the unsaved world shows us up as Christians in their dedication. Shame on me. Shame on the church when, when the world on their way to hell has more passion and dedication for things that will not matter in all of eternity. And here we are. God's given us everything. He's empowered us. He's given us His Word, His Holy Spirit, the promise of eternal life, and, 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 and guarantees that we're on the, the winning side. And, and God's people fall away from being dedicated to Him. I hate to see that. I mean, think about it. What, what, what you do for gold, would you do for God? Think about what we do with our occupations and our careers. We, we invest time and money and education, and then we spend 40, 50, 60 hours a week for finances. And it's a good thing. We should do that. But, but would you put as much effort in getting gold as you would for God? How about would you do for God what you do for golf? We mentioned our golf outing. I used to live for golf. I love golf. It's a great game, and there's nothing wrong with it, but there was a, a day when golf was my, my God. And I had no problem on a Sunday morning waking up at, at 5.45 in the morning. I'd hear my alarm, and I got excited, and I jumped out of bed, and I showered, and I shined my golf clubs, and I got to the golf course, and I practiced on the, the, the putting green a half hour before our 7 o'clock tea time, and I was excited on a Sunday morning. I think about the money I invested in golf, the time, oh, the time. Sometimes you're out there five, six hours. I would think about it. I would watch it on TV, and the Spirit of God says to me sometimes, Matt, will you do for me, for God, what you did for golf? And I get under conviction. Teenagers, would you do for God what you do for a girl or a guy? I mean, I, I remember my teenage years thinking about girls and how can I get a girl and, and, and how, how can I impress a girl and, and, and what I have to do to get a girl's attention. And teenagers, you do that. Guys, you take a girl out on a, a dinner date, perhaps, and you, you drop $70, $80, $100, and you're trying to impress her. And, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but, but teenagers, have you ever thought about dropping $100? In the, in the bucket for God. Would you do for God what you do for a girl or a guy? Can we just take a few moments this morning and allow these men here in this verse to challenge us in our devotion to God? And I want you to notice, first of all, in spite of fear, they were dedicated. 
Now, this is the fifth and sixth trumpet in the last three and a half years of the tribulation time period. And if you notice in chapter 9, verse 1, and the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven under the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. So we read about a bottomless pit underneath our, our feet as we sit and stand here today. And there's smoke, verse 2, that comes out of this pit as a, as a great furnace, and the, the sun and the air were darkened. And out of this pit came what appears to be demonic locusts that are going to torture men for five months, and they're not going to be able to die. And when I look at this, and, and, and I, I read about even the sound of the locusts, I'm thinking, this is horrific. This is like something out of a, a horror sci-fi movie. Matter of fact, this is, this is worse than anything you could ever imagine. God unleashing these plagues on the earth. And I'm thinking, the bottomless pit, that's, that's, a, that's a holding tank for all the demonic forces of hell. And where there's smoke, there's fire, and it's connected to hell and judgment. And these demons come out of there and, and pain. And I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying, there's a lot of fear here. You have to put yourself in the text. This is real. These men, if not tormented by these locusts, are hiding. Windows are not going to keep these demonic locusts out from getting you. A door probably is not going to hold back the forces of hell from getting to you. They're going to be hiding in basements and bunkers anywhere, and they're going to hear the noise of these locusts, and they're going to shake. Not only that, but, but after that, we have a Calvary of 200 million led by angels to not torment, but to kill a third of the men on the earth. I'm just saying this is going to be a very scary, fearful time. And in spite of fear, the Bible says they continued with their dedication in serving their gods. Now, how about you? Where are you today when fear comes your way? Fear has hindered so many Christians over the years. It's been said that fear is a dark room where negatives are developed. The Bible has a lot to say about it because fear can paralyze us. Today, even as Christians, we, we fear so many different things. We fear fear. Oh no, nothing bad has happened in a while. I'm afraid something bad's going to happen. We fear fear today. We fear what other people think about us, their opinions. We fear failure, our pride being offended, and the list goes on and on and on. And I, I just believe there, there is a, a healthy fear, fearing God, but there's also a, an unhealthy fear that will cripple us and get in the way of our devotion. And, and I, I believe that we need to de defang fear and kick, it, kick, kick its teeth out, kick it in the face and say, fear, you don't belong in my life. My God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. I was thinking, I think it was Thursday night at about 3.30 in the morning. I came up with this acrostic, fear, fake entertainment, arresting reality. That's what it is. Neuroscientists say we have about 70,000 thoughts that go through our mind every 24 hours. 90% of the things that we fear, over 90% never come to pass. You know what that is? That's a lot of wasted energy. 
We ought to take that energy, all the things that we fear that never come to pass, and put it into serving our God. You know, in the, the Song of Solomon, when I read through Song of Solomon, I see that Solomon is a type of Christ and his beautiful bride, a, a type of the church. And he's just ooing and on on her. And he says something in Song of Solomon chapter one. Um, he says, I have compared thee, O my love, to a company of horses in Pharaoh's chariots. You see, I think when God looks at us as his bride, he sees us as horses. You know, horses are very courageous. Horses are very devoted. Horses are very brave. And you and I, we were once in Pharaoh's army. And the Bible says that Pharaoh brought, or Solomon brought horses out of Egypt. And he's looking at his bride and says, you remind me of those horses. And if the church could only live up to the way God sees us, we should be brave. We should be courageous. God has brought us out of the world, out of Egypt. He bought us from Pharaoh. We're purchased with a price. And we have a high holy calling not to give in to fear, to be, be courageous as a horse that would run through a barn that's burning on fire and devoted to his master's will and to charge into the army and charge into the battle not paying attention to all the noises of war, but to stay devoted. That's you and I. Oh, if we could be as devoted as the rest of the men. When they, and I'm telling you, anything that we see in this day and age in which we live would never compare to what these men are going to see in the future. And they stayed devoted in spite of fear. I'm telling you, Fearing God is healthy. It's a healthy fear, but we must see fear in a gospel narrative, understanding that God has a purpose in it. And faith needs to override this fear. And faith sees the invisible, believes the incredible, knows the unknowable, and receives the impossible. That's God's calling for your life. Not only that, but... These men, number two, in spite of pain, they were dedicated. In spite of pain, they were dedicated. No one likes pain. I've been in a lot of pain the last couple of weeks. Pain stinks, really does. But the pain that these men were around doesn't compare. You have to, you have to understand, in the tribulation time period, there's going to be famine there's going to be the highest murder rate of all time. I mean, we're talking about, uh, we see earlier on in the chapter, um, uh, I think it was a fourth of the population of the world dies, and, and then a third, and that means that most of these men probably had an, uh, an assassination attempt on their lives. Where there's a high murder rate, and you can check this out if you travel the world a little bit and live with different people groups, where there's a very high murder rate, you're going to see a lot of scars for the people that have survived. You're going to see a lot of pain. During this time period, the, the, the waters are going to be poisoned. There's going to be earthquakes. There's, there's going to be the vegetation is going to be burned up. The food supply is going to be low. That all equals pain, physical pain during this time period. 
but they still stayed devoted to their gods. How do we stay devoted to our God when pain comes our way? Well, Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19, I'll read that to you. He said, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. We, we have to stay focused when it comes to pain. Um, I, I think we need to stop, drop, and roll. We need to stop our thinking. Oh, God, you're punishing me. You don't love me. We need to stop that. We need to, we need to drop on our knees and, and, and pray. God, would you help me through this pain? I want to identify with you in this pain. I want you to speak to me in this pain. I want to find a purpose in a praise, in a power, in this pain. And then we need to roll. Roll through the Scriptures and see the great cloud of witnesses that we have before us, that have gone before us, that have endured fear and pain and continued in their dedication toward our, our God. The Bible says that anything that we go through in this life is just a, a light affliction compared to the glory that we're going to have in heaven. This life is a vapor. We can, we can stick with the Lord through this pain. We need to focus. I remember our first child, we went through Lama's class and, and they said, you need a little teddy bear for your wife because when she's in all that pain, just hold that teddy bear up and, and have her focus on that teddy bear. You need focus in pain, they said. That didn't work. I held that little teddy bear up and my wife said, get that out of my face. She, she had her own focal point. I didn't want to interfere with that, but... But when we experience pain, listen, church, we need to focus. Focus on the Lord. My, my trade is barbering. I, I uh, have a history of, of cutting hair. And when we came back off the mission field, I put a barber shop behind our house. And, and I had my nephew come over, Johnny. And um, Johnny sits down in the barber chair. And Johnny has scars all over his head from brain surgeries that he's had. I want to tell you that a scar is a wound that's been healed. When we go through pain, we're going to have scars. And we need to remember in the midst of that pain, we can bring our scars to the Lord and He will heal our scars. And then we can take those scars and we can use them for the glory of God as a witnessing opportunity about how great our God is. And even in the midst of pain, my God didn't leave me or forsake me and I stuck with him. I'm cutting Johnny's hair and, and I'm kind of like priding myself on the, the idea that I can, I can fade his hair up with clippers and, and, and blend the scars so no one would see the scars. And I'm done with his haircut. And he, he says, Uncle Matt, this isn't what I want. I want to show off my scars. I, 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 I said, what? I want to show my scars off because I want to use them as a witnessing tool for Jesus and what he's got me through. And I said, oh. And so every time he comes in, he says, you know what to do? Cut her short, Uncle Matt. Show those scars off. And I was thinking about that the other day. He was just in. As a matter of fact, I'd like you to hear from him 
yourself. And Lord willing, his testimony will come through on the on the video. Hi, I'm John Bernstorff, and I'd like to share with you the story on my scars and why they're important to me. Um, I was born with Lebrun's disease that caused a whole lot of seizures in my life, and the seizures actually got so bad to the point where I needed multiple brain surgeries. And uh, I just remember uh, laying in my bed in uh, my senior year of college and questioning God on why is he allowing all this suffering to happen in my life. Um, and those feelings of resentment towards him um, quickly changed into uh, respect. And uh, it, my prayer changed to why to let me use what I is going to happen for your good. And um, I just remember about to be moving into surgery that uh, actually saying goodbye to my mom and dad, uh, but also reassuring them that I know where I'm going, um, that I will see them soon, no matter what happens. Um, and fast forward, I am with my Uncle Matt, and he actually thought that I wanted to hide my scars, but uh, I knew that if I hide my scars, no one's going to know what what the scars are for and how I got them. Um, and I actually wanted to show them off so that I could use my testimony to allow others to uh, get saved and know Christ personally. So what would you tell someone today that's going through pain and dealing with scars? Stay focused. Don't get discouraged with things. Don't look around and see the things around the world and what's going on around you. But uh, keep your eyes on God because he's going to let you go through with everything. And it's going to have a purpose no matter what you There you have it. I get convicted when I read the Bible. I get convicted when I try to cut my nephew's hair. I, I, I'm just saying, in the midst of pain, stay dedicated to God. There's a purpose in it. There's a praise in it. There's a power in it. Not only were these men dedicated in the midst of pain, they were dedicated even when they were outnumbered. You got, you got these locusts flying all over the place, going everywhere. You've got 200 million coming after them. They were outnumbered, but they stayed dedicated. Do you ever feel outnumbered in this world? It just seems like the hounds of hell are on our tail, and the devil is the prince and power of the air. He's got the media. He's got the internet. He's got a lot of the churches. He, he is the God of this world, and sometimes it feels like the, the walls of this world are caving in on us, and we feel like we're outnumbered, and, and, and it's almost like this isn't going to work out. Remember. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Listen, it might seem like we're outnumbered, but if God be for us, who can be against us? And I can do all things through Christ. I, I love in, in 2 Kings chapter 6 what Elijah said, and, and he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elijah prayed. And said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. 
Just remember, God's on your side. In the, the unseen spirit world, there are angels out there. And God is out there. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. And God is for us. Don't lose your devotion when you feel like you're outnumbered. Listen, when, when I read the end of the story, the Lord takes the devil like he's a little kitty cat and has an angel throw him in the, in the bottomless pit and then into a lake of fire. When the Lord comes back in Revelation chapter 19, He just speaks the word and wipes everybody out. There's no challenge. Rest in the power of the Lord. Understand that it's a done deal. We win. Even though it might look like we're outnumbered. Not with the power of God. Lastly, in spite of loss, they were dedicated. Again, one-fourth dies, and then a third dies. The rest of the men here, they lost family members. Came close to losing their own lives. They, they lost their way of life, although evil and wicked and idolatrous. The world is up, turned upside down here, and they, they've lost family and, and their way of life. They were still dedicated to their dead gods. And I think about my life and when God takes things away from me, when God takes things away from you, whether that's the life of a loved one or a, a friend, whether that's a, a position that you have or a possession that you have, I've come to realize that, that loss reveals a lot. When God takes something away from you and and we must remember that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But when the Lord takes something away from you, quite often, He's trying to reveal what's on the inside. And so often what we do is we identify who we are with that relationship, who we are with that position or that possession. And God, God actually wants to take things away. So our only identif identification is Christ. And I'm just saying loss is not always a bad thing. But God forbid when God does take something away from you that you don't lose your dedication to Him. Amen? These men, in spite of loss, were dedicated. I'll close with this. I, I did a little word search on, on dedication in the Bible, and I found that it only showed up one time in John chapter 10. The Feast of Dedication. And I believe that is a a reference to Hanukkah, the traditional Jewish holiday. And if you know anything about history in the silent years between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was a crazy man named Antiochus Epiphanes. He was a Syrian king, and he hated the Jews. He wanted to Hellenize the world and do away with everything that resembled Judaism or anything that was Jewish or Hebrew. He forbade them to speak Hebrew to observe the Sabbath, he took over the temple. No more observances. He killed uh, estimated a, a million Jews. The Jewish culture was turned upside down. They lost a lot. And if you know the story, there was a man named Mattathias. He was a Jewish priest that led his sons into the wilderness, the Judean mountains, and Judas Maccabees, one of his sons, led a revolt to stay dedicated to the Lord in spite of loss. 
and they won battle after battle. And in 165 BC, they went into that temple and reclaimed the temple and rededicated the temple to God. They lit the menorah lamp and, and off they went. And I'm thinking about that, that dedication. And I think it's time that God's people rise up and stay in the battle in spite of fear and loss and pain and feeling overwhelmed or, or, or taken over, outnumbered. And we rededicate our temples this morning. Say, God, I, I, I know that you're with me and you're in me. And regardless of what comes my way, I am going to stay dedicated. Listen, we're going to be in heaven someday looking down on this time period. And I don't want to be in heaven watching the rest of these men and their devotion to these dead gods and look back on my life and wish that I could go back and have more dedication than what they had. God help us when the world shows us up in dedication. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org, and we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.